0: Welcome to another episode of Exquisite Conversations. Um, oh. now I don't want to pronounce your name incorrectly, but I know your first name is Stella. So I want to make sure people know how to say your name correctly. So please say your the correct pronunciation of your name for me.
1: Okay, okay. My the, the best way to pronounce this is Wo Kiji. Wokiji. Okay. Yes, it's spelled. N W O K E J I. Or you can pronounce it W O O K E E G E E W. Yes.
0: Okay, so we are with Dr. Stella yes. uh, I I always, I'm one of those people, I get very self conscious when it comes to pronouncing people's names correctly. Because mm-hmm. I know, like, I feel like I have a simple name, but I know when I was younger, people used to butcher my last name bowman and say bowman or this and it's like nope just bow and (laughs) man very simple so but how's everything going
1: Everything is going well. Everything is going well. Thank you for asking.
0: No problem. I'm so glad to be able to have you on this new episode of Exquisite Conversations. Um, I know you are new to the people that usually listen that are in my area. So why don't you take a moment just to introduce yourself and tell us who you are and all the wonderful things that you do.
1: Oh, thank you, Kim. (laughs) Like you said, my name is uh, Dr. Stella Wakiji. Anybody that knows me knows one thing about me. I think two things about me, my family, my husband and my kids. The next thing is my passion for helping others. I'm a lover of health and public health. I do host um, uh, what I call interactive um, media platform It's called Med Hour with Dr. Stella if you follow me on Instagram, you will know a little more about my passion on educating people regarding our health and public health awareness. I'm also the founder and medical director of Bluff Medical Group here in Germantown, Tennessee. Um, Bluff Medical Group is a primary care clinic. I'm also the medical director of um, NetPlus Clinician, NetPlus. Clinician is a wellness clinic center where we talk to patients regarding making right choices for their health. Um, sometimes I wear different hats too. One of the hats that I wear is I'm a lawyer uh, as well as a professor. I do teach uh, research and health policy. I honestly strongly believe that impacting our next generation is something that we can do. We can complain about them. You're only as good as what you know. Instead of complaining about the next generation, take that time to teach them. So I decided to be a professor so that I can help more the next generation to teach them. We want a bright future for them. We want a better country for them, for all of us. How best to do that is to catch them young and teach them young. And that's what I like to do. I do have two non-profit organizations. Um, The first one is called uh, DSEN Foundation, D-S-E-N Foundation. DSEN means Dr. Stella Wokiji um, Foundation. Um, I opened that foundation to help indigent women in Africa. People are going through a lot, even pre-COVID over there. It's not like what we have here. We do know that they do have food insecurity. We do know that they have issues with getting employment. I open that to help them and the things we actually do for them provide basic necessities such as giving them food, clothing, making sure that they have clean water and also providing them with medical and mental health um, care. I partner with the, some, one of the doctors over there. I actually pay him. I have a clinic there, he goes to see the patient. And we do, sometimes we do a telemedicine. If he has issues, he will send them to me and I'll look at them and forward it to him. And through these nonprofits, we take care of children, children's education. I have kids that are put on scholarship and helping through their education but there are families that are very poor, they can't afford to send their kids to school. So this same foundation comes in to help with, you know, providing that education, giving them that free education. In a country where there's poverty, you see some kids, instead of being in school, they're either in the street, hawking food, trying to sell things to bring money for the family. Some Most of them are at home. They're not going to school because parents are not, able to afford it. So when I give this scholarship, it gives them opportunity to go to school, opportunity to be with their mates. You know, we want, the, we want a better future for them. And I strongly believe that education is the key to seeing the world. If I can give them that opportunity, they can do better. I also do uh, skills acquisition through these nonprofit organizations. I have a few, about five girls now that I'm paying for them to go through training. They're being taught how to tailor, how to make outfits, and how to be beauticians. So these are the things I do with this nonprofit. And again, anybody that knows me, that I'm a very strong woman of faith, in anything I do, I put God first. So I do spiritual counseling for them. You You can only do what you can do. If God is not with you personally, I don't believe you can move from point A to point B. My other non-profit organization is called Emergency and Rescue Medicine for African Country. That non-profit organization was born out of a, a, a tragedy in my family. I lost my father 2012. He used to live here. He decided to go home and visit and stay for a couple of months. Um, we, we, my siblings and I said, okay, it's fine. He left with my mother. They went home. He was supposed to come back here August of 2012. He died um, June, July 4th, 2012. During the process, you know, he was in the hospital within two hours. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. Nobody could figure out what was going on. I was talking to him. I could tell that he was in distress, but that's much I can do from here. Being a provider, even with my siblings that are also providers, we couldn't do much. The one that broke my heart when one of the doctors said that they really want to do a CT scan on him to find out what was going on. The only person that could do the CT scan was not there. She was on lunch break. Nobody else knew how to do CT scan. My dad you know, passed away. Um, this is somebody very prominent, a very well-known actor in my country, you know, a very educated man. He just left like that. You know, I, I cried. I went through grief, I was angry, I didn't want anything to do with anything that caused him that. But uh, after a while I I sat up and said, I need to do something to help others so that they won't go through what I went through. And I opened that Emergency and Rescue Medicine Foundation. The reason why I opened that is to help sort of look at what are the preventive illnesses? What are the preventive conditions? What are curable things people are going through Africa? that shouldn't kill them, but are killing them today. Here in the United States, if a child, let's assume a child has asthma, that that child has Ventolin, that child probably will have some Claritin or some medications to help them with the asthma, but over there, they don't have it. So something like asthma, somebody can just die because there's no Ventolin, there's no oxygen to give him, supplemental oxygen, if that child needs it. So this is what I do through that nonprofit organization. I try to partner with organizations that can give send medications there and also educate people. One thing is to educate somebody, one thing to for them to have awareness of what is going on. In my country, there's incidents of stroke. Somebody will just slump and die. Nobody knows why. So I use this nonprofit organization to give them awareness about stroke talk to them about high blood pressure, other risk factors that can predispose them to stroke. Also, let them know the warning signs, but the warning signs are usually there so that you will know if you're going to have a problem. Then finally, the best and what I consider the best thing I do in the whole wide world is being a loving wife to my very supportive husband and being the best mom I can be to four wonderful children. So. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, you do so much like I I was looking for you to say "Oh, I'm also a superhero you know all weekend (laughs) (laughs) but essentially you you kind of are because it's like you are so immersed in like the medical industry and when it comes to educating the public and raising awareness for issues that are very important to us Um, I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day about how Prior to, I'll call it the COVID age, you know, this past year and a half. Like, I don't think a lot of people really took their health seriously, and a lot of people really didn't take, you know, things like washing their hands or, you know, covering when they're coughing or whatever. No one really took these things seriously until now. You know, there are people dying, there are people losing their lives, people are separated from one another. All because of this one virus, you know. What's it been like for you with all these organizations that you have um, navigating, you know, the COVID waters and um, being able to educate the public on things like that, along with these other issues and, and whatnot that you focus on.
1: Um, just like um, with everybody, it has been difficult. Difficult in the sense that um, social distancing is not what we all planned. We are humans. We like that human touch. We like to feel people. I remember when this happened last year back in March, my kids were in school. I didn't know whether for them to come back or not to come back. I wanted them to come back and stay close to me because it was a new virus. Nobody knew anything. For a little while, we made that decision for them to stay back where they are so that everybody would be safe. Because my husband and I, my husband is a physician. He works in the hospital. I work in the clinic. We don't want to bring anything home and have them come home to and get it. So it was difficult for us in terms of uh, the social distancing and not able to see our kids, you know. For even my patients, it's still difficult to them until now. But some of them are not used to, you know, being locked up indoors, especially the elderly ones. Some of them are not used to not seeing their... um, grandchildren. Remember pre-COVID, people had stress, you know, different kind of stress. Mm-hmm. So This COVID is compounding the whole that especially those going through mental health, you know, that's where my passion is. People going through mental health are going through a lot. When you put them in an isolation, they're not able to see their family members or when they see their family members, they're not able to associated the way they used to associate, or even see their doctors is causing issues because one-on-one interaction is always good. You go in there, the doctor asks you, how are you doing today? How is everything going? But you don't get that anymore. You see people just, the barely can even get up out of bed because they're depressed, you know, they're not used to this. So this has been an, a very trying time. Honestly, it has been difficult. It has been an anxious time for everybody especially those going through mental health. As a provider, I am doing the best I can to educate them. Actually, this is one of the book I wrote recently. Oh, wow. I call it a pamphlet, you know, to help people on how they can cope with uh, anxiety and depression during this COVID-19. But thank God that we do have the vaccine now. And I'm encouraging everybody, if you can, if you're not allergic to COVID, um, vaccines, If you can, please go get the vaccine. That's the only way we can get to normalcy. We need this vaccine.
0: Definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. It's been, it's definitely been a trying time. And the social distancing, especially as a provider, I'm sure for you, like, you probably never (laughs) experienced anything like this before. You know, and I know for, it's, it's just so weird how it's new for the medical industry, it's new for us, and we're all just trying to like, figure it out as we go. But I like the point that you made about mental health, because, you know, um, that's been a major, a major thing that's become such an important topic now, because we're all in isolation, we're all alone, we're separated from our loved ones. You know, we can't do the things that we want to do, we can't move around how we want to anymore, um, because it's not safe. You know, I think it's, uh, you know, this, this year has really given us the opportunity to um, kind of take a moment, take a step back from everything, and say, you know, am I okay? Like, at how am I feeling right now? You know, I've I've talked to so many people that never even thought to ask themselves that question. Like, yeah. they don't even know how they're doing. They don't know anything. Mental health is like a new thing for them. You know, they think it's just something brand new, but. No, mental health is a real issue that's been around (laughs) for a very, very long time. So talk about that, you know, how people, how mental health has become such a priority and such a, I'll say a hot topic now anyway, like people are, you know, thinking about like them. they're putting themselves first now, which is great to see, you know, I'm sure as a provider, I'm sure you're probably seeing it from a different angle. Yes.
1: Um, first of all, I'm glad you brought that up, you know, everybody's not talking about mental health. Like you said, mental health has been there for a long time, many years back. You know, we only bring up mental health, less as assume something went wrong. People say, oh, why did he or she do that? It could be this person was not, you know, stable. This is the time people are talking about it because pretty much all of us are going through stuff, you know, all of us. It's not easy for anybody, but this is new. Nobody will tell you, oh, I've dealt with COVID 10 years ago, so this is new for everybody. It's okay not to be okay. It's very okay. You don't have to say, oh, I'm doing well. No, none of us are, but this is new to us. But you've got to find a way, your own way of dealing with the stress. Don't let it overwhelm you. Even if it means talking to a a therapist, I do know within our community, especially the African-American community, going to a specialist, a therapist is not something that we willingly go to. But it's okay to go to a therapist if you need help. It's okay to call your kids and ask them, how are they doing? Because kids are quite different from us. You and I can have mental health issues. When I say mental health issues, I mean anxiety and depression. We can try to talk ourselves out of it. We can talk to our friends, family members. But kids, when they're going through this, they're in their rooms with their ear plugged, they're thinking they're watching TV, but so many things are going through their head. When you couple that with their age, with their hormone raging, things are happening that you're not able to know. This is the time to talk to your children. Ask them how they're feeling. Take time regarding their schoolwork. If a child you know used to get all A's and B's and this child is not getting C's or even failing a class, talk to that child. There's something going on with the child. Children just don't fail like that. It's either they're going through a lot in terms of the mental health or they're not understanding the topic. So as a parent, I will advise us to make our time. We can't be that busy not to talk to our kids. I understand sometimes kids can be somewhere in their room, maybe you don't see them in an hour or two, and you say, oh, that's normal. Kelly usually stays in the room. Go in there, peep, make sure Kelly is okay. If Kelly is crying, allow Kelly to cry and ask Kelly, why are you crying? How can I help you? We cannot live in isolation. We've had to reach out to each other and make sure that we're fighting this together.
0: And technology has helped to encourage that isolation, because now, nowadays, you know, you can easily give a toddler a tablet, you give a child, stick them in front of a computer, give them a phone, and they're out of your hair, you know, but I think that, I think that people aren't ready to acknowledge how unhelpful that can be, you know, because with them having access to these things, you know, they also have access to the internet, where they can see all of this stuff that's happening in the world and they're consuming it. They don't know what to think. They don't know how to process it and whatnot. They don't don't understand like, you know, different things. I've even heard of kids stressing over politics now, you know, with the election. My nephew was so stressed out about it. And I'm like, dude, um, this is nothing you have to worry about right now at all. You know, but he has that access to the internet. And, you know, he's he's just looking and searching. Things are popping up and it's just like he has like it's just there he can read it he can consume it so you know the, I, I definitely think even prior to um COVID you know technology was kind of encouraging that isolation amongst kids from their parents and then people amongst each other you know half the time you go in a public place both Everybody's looking down at their phone, you know, know. social media. (laughs) That's just what, that's just the norm now, you know. So uh, what do you, how do you think technology kind of plays a role in that? And how can parents be more proactive about their kids' mental health rather than reactive once something's already happened, you know, so.
1: Yeah, just, just like I mentioned before, you know, technology, whether we like it or not, we need it. Personal, I need it when it works, you know, not I it. sometimes it doesn't work. So I wouldn't want a situation where we don't want the kids to have technology. They need it. That's the way forward. That's the future. But in a situation that you have a, a child, that child has had the headphone for almost like eight hours, that's not normal. Call attention to that. You, know. you can restrict it. You can restrict the sites that your kids can go to even the cell phone i remember my kids when they were growing up i didn't give them cell phones just for play i gave them cell phone when they're going out of the house i said you know use this phone and call me when you when you want to reach me or i can call you when i want to reach you yes everybody has cell phone but that's no reason why a 6 year old should have a cell phone except you have to reach that 6 year old because when you give them that cell phone, they have access to the internet. You don't know what they're looking at. You don't know what they're searching. As a parent, you have to be proactive. Even if it means be putting parental control on the, the technologies, the gadgets you give them so that you can control them. In terms of being proactive about mental health, that's what I just, that's what I just said um, earlier. If you have a child, we all know our children. You know their capability, you know their mood, you know their feelings. As a parent, you will be able to know when your child doesn't feel the same way. A child, a very good child, very adorable child, if you crack 10 jokes, nobody laughs, but that child laughs to that joke, and that particular child starts withdrawing, not responding to you. Reach out, find out what is going on. If you have a child. You know, everybody comes down during dinner and they're giving you one or two reasons why they can't come back, come down, I don't feel well. They cannot continue to feel well for a couple of days. Go back, go in, call them privately. You don't have to call them in presence of all their siblings. Call them aside and say, what is going on? Is there anything I need to know? Kids, if you show them that you love them, if you show them that you care, they open up, you know, to tell you stuff. If you know their friends, their best friends, they usually will share things with them. If you have a child that you feel something is wrong with my child, something is off, call the best friend and say, recently, I don't like the way James has been behaving. Has, what do you think? You don't have to ask the friend to tell you anything because you don't want to put them in a situation that divulging secrets. Tell, just say, I don't, I, James has been behaving strangely. Have you noticed it? They will tell you. So you'll be proactive to know what to do with the child that's going through that. Talk to the teachers. That's one thing. Teachers are our best friends in terms of taking care of our children. They'll see, actually, that with our kids, even before, I would say pre COVID, eight hours with our children. So they know them very well. Talk to the teacher. Let the teacher know oh, I don't think. Sammy is doing well, something is wrong with Sammy. The teacher can tell you, so that you can add what the teacher told you, what the friend told you, plus what you've observed to be able to know what to do to your daughter, uh, your child. Reach out to their pediatrician. Talk to them, don't be afraid. It's okay. I, I, I prefer to say, let the world know. Let the world know that my child is sick and my child is getting help, than the whole world knowing that this child committed suicide there has been an increased rate of suicide with children. Remember back in May, some of these kids, they went to spring break and never came back to school again. I can imagine the feeling. As an adult, You know, when I stay with somebody for a long time, if I leave that person for even a week, I miss that person. Think of these kids, they went for spring break, never came back. Some of them never had any graduation and this is what they've been planning for years Uh, it's a normal feeling to feel sad about it it's a normal feeling to feel depressed to feel anxious but when that depression starts lingering you need to worry and seek out professional help before it's too late
0: awesome i think that is that is some great tips for any parents that are tuned in on how they can be more proactive on you know their kids mental health so i know you do so much and i know you have so many different um roles that you play hats that you wear how can people find you how can people support your nonprofits and the causes that um you're working towards how can people support you how can they support your organizations um how how can they find you and book you oh.
1: <laughs> thank you so much for that opportunity you know for the nonprofit that i i um have the decent foundation you can get it on, uh, we on. We have a website. It's called decentfoundation.org, like D S E N Foundation.org. The Emergency and Rescue Medicine Foundation, the website is E for emergency, R for rescue, M for medicine, F Foundation, A Africa, C countries. That's E R M. You can also find me on uh, Instagram. I'm at MedHourStella. I pull out um, at least weekly, twice or three times a week, uh, medical issues, health issues, giving advice, especially those in Africa. They don't have readily available medical experts, so they really enjoy that. They send me emails. The me for the medical questions, so you can get me there. You can also email me. My email is my first name, Stella, my last name, N-W-O-K-E-J-I, the number one, at gmail.com.
0: Awesome. Well, I am definitely so honored and so excited to be here with you. Um, and I'm excited because you're actually gonna be on one a part of one of my upcoming events with my, non-pro- my nonprofit organization, Exquisite Kids. Um, we are hosting a mental health uh, workshop for parents and kids and members of the community. Um, if you would like to come and hear uh, Dr. Stella talk more and share more of her knowledge and the resources that she has to offer and how she can be able to help you and how you can be able to help your child and help you know children in our communities um, by strengthening their mental health and, health and helping them be more successful. So definitely make sure you tune in. I'm gonna make sure I include that information at the end of this interview and on the uh, caption of this video. So definitely make sure you come and check her out. Um, and Dr. Stella, I am just so honored again to have you and thank, thank you. you again for your time. Being a part of this wonderful episode of Exquisite Conversation.